Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. Uh, I'm here at a um, cool location here in Harlem, northern Upper Harlem. Here, of course, with great a friend and co-host. Got a bunch of co-hosts today. We got a full house of co-hosts. Yeah. Uh, great Jamal Murphy. Murph, what's going on? So, Bill, just admiring the new uh, bike behind you. Looks like a like an antique or something. Yeah. Well, you know, I can't. That's why I can't tell people where I am because they'll steal this shit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Because you can't, you can't, you know, with that kind of bike, guys, but don't get off the bike, man. You just have to keep pedaling. That's right. right. Uh, my, mother, my mother got her bike stolen uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, no. Right from, from, the, amazing. from the garage of her building. Oh, man. Oh, man. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. man. They but clip, you know what? They clipped we'll the lock and that. everything. Unreal. Unreal. Well, we'll, 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 get, we'll go back to that. Because, you know, the whole thing, man, about this whole thing of Black Lives Matter, law and order, you know, don't defund the police. I mean, well, I said you could. <laughs> Because, you know, some of these cats out here, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then, of course, we got the wonderful Aaron Matthewson. Hey, Aaron, what's going on? Uh, hello. I'm, I was actually just thinking about your bike and, and all the, the Rebel bikes. Have you seen those? Um, the the scooters? The Rebels? Uh, yeah. The, um, I guess what do you the, mean? they're like the scooters now that just like that you can't buy them anymore because too many people died. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Didn't they just, because somebody else just got killed, right? The CBS... Young yeah. CBS reporter. Oh wow! I yep. I saw an accident yesterday, and I was like, "No, thank you." Is this guy? On the scooter? Yeah, he was like, he's the car in front of him stopped too quick, and so he like swerved and like flew off. It was yeah. I'm not riding mm. one. Mm. I, yeah, I gotta tell. Well, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk bikes in a minute. Then, of course, uh, in another disclosed undisclosed location in Southern Manhattan, uh, the great <laughs> Steve Wilson. Steve, what's going on? Hey, everybody. Just hanging Steve. in here. Hello. Hanging in here. Good to see everyone. Good to see everyone. Yeah, so everybody's in their bubble. So, man, there's so much to uh, unpack. You know, I mean, there's lots of stuff to unpack. Uh, Jamal, our erstwhile producer, sent us a lot of stuff, man. Uh, baseball, near coronavirus. Uh, I mean, there's so much stuff. Oh, well, before what, 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 how each of them? I mean, how have you ever, how's everybody been, uh, hanging out or holding out during, uh, during Corona? I mean, we've been talking about this since March. How's everybody been doing? How, you know, how's everybody been hanging in? Um, as, as well as can be, as, as I tell my, my friends and family who I'm in touch with, uh, of course, folks who are not in state, and they say, wow, man, you guys are in phase four. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm still in phase one. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. and, I, and I'm going to be in phase one until we get a vaccine. So that's, right. that's how I'm rolling. <laughs> I hear that. So what, what, what does that mean? What does phase one mean for you? Well, you know, just doing all the precautions. I'm not, you know, I'm not going out to, um, it's, I mean, I'm glad to see restaurants opening and operating again, but I have no desire to be around large groups of people. Um, but I'll, you know, I'll try to order takeout or something here and there. Um, I go out as necessary, basically. But I'm not like, uh, say, oh, it's summertime. Let me frolic around and things are normal. Like, no, right. no. Right. So wear my yeah, gloves, my mask, around. you know. Um, a lot of people aren't wearing gloves now, but I, I'm still wearing gloves whenever I go out. So uh, when I get to garbage my building. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm still taking every precaution. Until there's a vaccine, yeah, yeah, I'm masking up, but I'm not wearing the gloves so much. Uh, but but that's probably good to go go back wearing gloves. What about you, Aaron? How you been uh, hanging hanging in there? Um, I've been good. The only thing, uh, my apartment, we only have AC in a few of the rooms, so so I would play mm. musical chairs, and that it gets hot sometimes. Um, mm. But I mean, COVID-wise, fortunately, everybody's good. Um, I actually took the test. I'm. Uh, oh, you did. I am uh, negative, um, but I did not like the Good. test at all. It was it hurt. With the swab in the, really? in the nose, I had to get in both nostrils. 
Mm. Oh, wow. Were you, were you in Orlando or something? New Mexico. I, yeah. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> no, like, but you're right. Near, it was uh, Harlem. Like, New York City has these like free testing sites now, which is really good. Yeah. Good job, New York City. How do you do that? How do you, how do you, how do, you do that? Because I've, I've, you know, every time I come in and out my undisclosed location in Manhattan, I've got to have my temperature taken. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, because, uh, you know, if you go in there, you know, like 100, whatever, they say, sorry. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but how do you do the test? You just walk in and yeah. they test me? Yeah, you like, um, they line you up outside. Like, it's kind of like a tent. Like, you don't go inside. It's like a, a makeshift area. Um, and they line you up, but you fill out a questionnaire, and then they um, email you and call you about your results. So I, oh, wow. I think it took me about like maybe 30 minutes to 45 minutes, like standing in line and getting it done. You get your antibody test done how long, as well. How long, did you, how long did it take you to get the test? I think, it, oh, uh, the test, it took like, I think I waited 45 minutes in line. I mean, I mean the result. Oh, the result. Uh, like two to three days. It was quick. Mm-hmm. That's good. I mean, I, I'm, I've heard some people, I have a friend of mine, she said, you know, she was trying to go to Karakou because um, her mother is uh, was a, is a citizen, and they had last minute plane uh, pl- they, they could make pl- last minute plane arrangements, but they needed to test negative before they could oh, wow. they could, uh, get on the mm-hmm. plane. So they took they went to the city MD uh, close to them and got the test, but they didn't get the results back in time. It took over a week. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I guess wow. it depends. Oh, wow. So it's always better, I think, to go to the city, you know, mandated ones. Because um, oh, wow. I took I took the antibody test about a couple months ago okay and and it only i got results back in you know two or three days mm-hmm. so i think and that, and that, those were state mandated places there was one in each borough for that and that was two months mm. ago so yeah same yeah. with me went on the on the covid test i uh, went to uh what was it a northwell clinic mm-hmm. and uh not too far from me and uh got my results back and thinking 36 hours so so yeah yeah huh. well i'd like to get a test i haven't gotten to take the test yet i'd like to uh come to harlem you know, right? <laughs> well you're in harlem right i'm in harlem yeah just look I for just for out. just look for long lines and exactly the line. exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know I, that like to steve's point though i'm like shit i don't want to be around people you know yeah. i mean you may get oh, the, the virus while you're waiting to get tested for the virus yeah you know actually Actually, uh, what what I did, uh, it was the first day after Cuomo announced that they were widely available. And uh, you can go on the state website. Right. And it'll tell you which places in your neighborhood are, are uh, offering the test. And you can make an appointment. And like Aaron said, you can, you know, do the questionnaire. Some, actually, you can do the questionnaire uh, online. Oh, cool. And, and they'll do a televisit with you before you go. And then that way, when you get there, you have a designated time. And you usually see them within, you know, uh, five or ten minutes of that time, and it's done. Yeah, that's what Where I... Where is that? Yeah, there's a state... I forget, it's something.gov, but there's a state website. And you can just go to that website and just follow the prompts, and it'll, you know, uh, tell you which places in your neighborhood are administering the test. Oh, cool. Speaking of the phases, it's been... This has been interesting to me. I know, Steve, you said, you know, you're staying in phase one... And I'm, you know, I've been cautious, but I've, but, you know, I've, I've caught myself doing a little more, you know, so I, ha- I have been to, uh, you know, eating outside at a restaurant like uh, twice, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just very, that means, just that means six, that means 12 times. <laughs> Uh-uh. <laughs> well, I've, I think I've I've sat down and had a drink more than twice, but but actual food yeah, a couple yeah. times. Um, but it is funny. It's just like a whole. It's like a whole new social construct. Like, it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of like on the cautious side. Like most people sit down and they take off their mask, and I I like keep mine on until I'm actually drinking and eating. And then mm-hmm. you know, people will talk to you, and then they they don't have a mask on, and I'm like. And then I have my mask on and I'm like, wait, you know, am I, am I being mean to this person? Because I, because mm-hmm. I'm keeping my mask on. It's like a whole different. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It's a whole different mm-hmm. social construct that you, we never thought we'd have to think about. Okay. Right. On that note, it is so hard because my natural inclination 
because I've gone to two two bar not I've gone to bars and tried to you know do my best social distance outside you mean outside yeah okay and um, for the most part it's good but then you you meet people like you might talk to them and then my inclination is I want to hug people oh, they're like can't yeah but it's been I don't know about you guys I love the ear hustle and it's really cute hearing groups of friends who obviously haven't seen each other in a long time like you can tell they're like this is the first time in a while it's really nice Mm-hmm. What do they call ear hustle? Yeah, that's a new one. That's a new one for me too. Oh, okay. when is, what is that? We just like that? listening to other people's conversations. Uh, I see. Yeah. yeah. What's happening in in music? See, is it, has the scene improved at all? Well, uh, uh, venues are now starting to stream concerts. Uh, a few of the clubs are uh, streaming weekly concerts now, um, so there is some movement. Um, and that's that's positive. Um, of course, you know, still no touring or anything, um, and we're hopeful for next year. But um, but yeah, I, and and uh, actually, I've done a couple of them. Um, uh, just uh, got a couple more dates for September. Um, no large groups, just duos. Um, and I think uh, like Smoke, I think they're doing quartets. I think uh, the Vanguards, they have been doing it for about a month. Smoke has been doing it. So there, there is some action going and people are doing whatever, whatever they can, you know, just to try to keep things happening. So what do you mean? So the musicians go like into Smoke, into Vanguard and, and, and play? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, they, it, no audience, no live audience. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was an article last week in the New York Times, uh, Bill Charlap did a solo concert out at uh, the Deerhead Inn uh, out in Pennsylvania. Uh, just to illustrate, you know, some of what was going on in the scene. And uh, so, yeah, we're seeing uh, bits of that, I think, all across the country and in Europe now. So, um, yeah. so yeah, folks are just trying to trying to keep it going, trying to move forward. And you've, you've done a couple, you said? I did one uh, with Helen Sung. We did a, uh, a duo, a little duo mini concert at her apartment uh, in Queens oh, wow. a couple of weeks ago. And it was a benefit for the... Uh, DC Jazz Fest, of course, which was uh, postponed, but we did a benefit for DC musicians, and uh, and it oh, was wow. great because a lot of people tuned in, and uh, we got a lot, of, a lot of nice feedback. So, how, how can we see that? How can people see that? Well, forget me. How can I see it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you mean that particular concert, or or just yeah, in general? Yeah, I love I love her, I love uh, Helen Song. Uh, you know what? I think if you go to her website, I think there's a link still there. I think uh, I think you had to do a subscription at the time, but I think you can. I, they archived it. I think you can still see it. So if you go to DC yeah. Jazz Fest or her website, I think there's a link there. And how did that work in terms of you know you had a mat like had masks, gloves? Uh, did you feel comfortable uh, performing? Well, yeah, it's interesting. Well, I had I had already tested negative, and and uh, Helen had also. So, and that was the first time and only time, actually, I had been out of my neighborhood at that point. Um, So it was on a Sunday and it was still, I think we were still in phase uh, two or three, but, um, but there was, I took a car service. There were hardly any cars on the road on Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening. And um, so, and Helen and I had known each other for many, many years. So we both totally felt comfortable about it and we discussed it beforehand. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, yeah, but it was it was totally cool. Well, you know, that, that kind of segues into, you know, the NBA season starts tomorrow. I think this podcast will probably go up tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, Thursday. And the NBA season uh, begins tomorrow, you know, without fans. I was curious, how did you feel? I mean, you've got a reference because you're a performing artist and you're performing without fans. How, how does that feel? And how do you think the players are going to, how do you think that's going to affect competition or the spirit or did it affect your playing? Well, I mean, I, my playing was definitely affected. Number one, that was my first performance with another musician since I think March uh, 14 or something like that. So, so, you know, even when you, when you practice, it's not the same as performing. And um, uh, of course, and now of course with Helen, you know, because we, we have a natural chemistry because we've played together many many years together but but also uh not playing in front of an audience 
it, it, it changes things. It's a different dynamic because you don't have the energy there, the feedback. Mm. You know? and, and though it felt good to play and to play with each other, but so I can imagine that, that the athletes are going through a similar uh, experience, though they, they know each other from playing you know, together and uh, practicing, but they're not getting that energy from, from the crowd. You know, right. uh, and not to say that they're not going to be professional. Of course, they will be. But I would, I think you'd be hard pressed to find any of those players who would say, "Well, we're really playing at the top of our game." You know, uh, under these circumstances, they haven't played in months, uh, haven't played competitively in months. They don't have their home crowd or the opposing crowd, whatever. You know, and and of course, many of them have said you know, how much energy they get from the, from the crowd. So um, I'm sure it's affected their level of play. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Shaq, I heard Shaq on TNT, uh, the TNT broadcast the other day, and he was saying he, he felt like he would really be affected because he fed off the crowd. But he didn't, what he didn't think about was, you know, the non-superstar guys who oftentimes struggle on the road, Right. Um, and how, you know, they might, you know, they might actually up their game because they, there's less right. pressure. Mm. And, and him and uh, Dwayne Wade were saying there's going to be a lot of guys. There's going to be a lot of guys who earn some some fake contracts off of this <laughs> off of uh, off of this bubble situation. Yeah. So I went to uh, City Field on Sunday. That was sort of my that was the first time I've been to a live event since March 11th on March 11th. I was, that was the first day of March Madness, and I was at the Big 12 tournament in uh, Kansas City. And that was the day that all hell broke That's the day that uh, the two NBA players tested positive. I went to City Field, but, you know, I, I am glad there are no fans, and for a couple of reasons. First of all, the Mets got killed, and Cats <laughs> made a couple errors and all that, but there was no booing. You know, the pitcher got rocked. There was no booing. You know, there was no, you know, you just, you know, you you know, there's none of that. And then I was thinking for the NBA, the WA players who I love, who walked off the court uh, before the national anthem, you know, and, and, and the two New York Yankees, uh, Stanton and uh, Hicks, who, who continued to kneel, you know, when the ceremonial bullshit, you know, the, the league ceremonial stuff, kneel before and then stand up. They kept kneeling. But it was great because normally had there been fans and then boo or hit here, there's nothing. The fans of nonsense has totally been taken out of it. And I'm kind of glad there are no fans. They are importing fake noise into games in the broadcast, like the, the cheering and the stuff. I think that's fascinating. And then putting up the, the cardboard fans in um, right. Major League Baseball stadiums. Um, yeah, I still think it's probably going to not be as fun to play, I imagine, but... For some reason, I like the cardboard cutouts. It's so cute! Um, you know, just, I don't know why, I mean, and you can do a lot with it. You can put some, you can make, you can put, you know, make it funny, you can put uh, celebrities, so I like, and it makes it, it does make it seem like, you know, just, you know, there's something going on, but I hate the fake noise for some reason. I, okay. You know, so, so I like the cutouts, but I hate the noise. But you know, but you, you know, you could you could you could uh, pay pay oh. for a fee. You could have your picture posted, like behind home plate or somewhere. Oh, you we know, like should do that. Dollars or something like that. That's not bad. Yeah, so I'll tell them <laughs> put bros pod in the back, you know, behind the plate. We should get yeah. We should invest like a thousand something dollars and put bros pod all over the stadium. You you talked about you know about the anthem and the playing of the anthems. And uh, maybe this is on the agenda to discuss anyway, but you mentioned the word pageantry. And I thought that was that was so right on because, uh, you know, the NFL seems to be just falling all over itself to placate the athletes, you know, with, uh, you know, we're going to play a lift of your voice and sing. We're going to put Black Lives Matter in the end zone. And we're going to do everything except hire some brothers in the front office. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. right. And that's exactly. like every corporation is doing that. It's not just sports. Every, yeah, right. Right. So it's just, it's just funny to me, man, how, you know, all of this window dressing. I mean, I think I, uh, I, I won't exactly put uh, the, you know, the, the crowd noise and the, you know, the plackets and, and the stands as in that category. But, um, but just in terms of, you know, what you mentioned with the kneeling and stuff, 
I thought, man, okay, are we are we really getting to the substance of, of the matter? And of course, uh, now that we see the situation with the Marlins and the Phillies and the Yankees, this this is tricky territory now. Oh man, do you guys you guys think that? I mean, it seems like in retrospect, the NBA to the extent, you know, it seems like the bubble seems to be the way to go. All this stuff is driven by money. Right. All, the only reason people they're doing any of this stuff is money. They're trying to recoup lost money and the players got to get paid. So they're kind of over a barrel. And then, you know, they're basically coercing the poor college players because <clears throat> you know what's going on down there. It's almost like <clears throat> the real plantation system. They're kind of coercing these brothers to come in, probably threatening scholarships. And, and they're kind of forcing these brothers to like come as opposed to saying, listen, the students, I mean, everybody's getting sick. So we just, you know, I think what everybody should do is say, listen, we're going to just chalk year up. This is a lost year. Like, Steve, I think you hit on the head. We're a year away. We're, we're, we're at least a year away. So we're just going to mm-hmm. shut it all down. Too much money. Just, yeah, yeah. Too much yeah, money. They, a- they, won't, they won't allow themselves to do that. And, and we know, I mean, we know money rules this country. I mean, this country is all about money. So they're willing to sacrifice people. I mean, look at, look at baseball right now. Um, 18 people on the Miami Marlins have it. 16 players, two coaches. And, and there's not even a thought of shutting it down. They're not, they're like, yeah, right. oh, yeah. we'll, just take, we'll just take a week off, you know. Uh, you know, they'll let the Yankees play somebody else, uh, you know. They'll, <laughs> right. yeah, they'll yeah. be fine. We'll come, go play somebody else. Come. First of all, I, th- I thought quarantine was 14 days. They could just take, they're taking like six days off. Oh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> And where are they getting the players from? You got 16. Well, that's, that's, that's more than half the roster. The minors. <laughs> the minors. They're bringing up the minors. Next batter up, next man up. And the minor league guys said, well, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> we yeah. don't care. I mean, it's, and the, the it's major really, league, The major league guys said they'll give it a shot because they actually, once, you know, they knew, when they knew people had tested positive, they had a, you know, the Marlins voted or they, you know, they took some sort of poll and they, they said, we want to keep playing. So you can't even leave it to them to make the right decision. No. Yeah, it needs no. to be a grown-up yeah. in the room. Exactly. Um, I mm. Unfortunately, guys, I'm going to have to hop off. But I I don't, from what I'm seeing, I don't see how you can't have, how you play without a bubble. Like, I just think it's irresponsible to your families. And this is going to, like, and if you, unless you just have endless amounts of people who are just going to come in and, like, you know, when people get sick, because they will, I don't know how you do it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And if That's right. And if 18 people on one team doesn't stop it what is it going to take you need what you know if one other team it happens to you know they can just say oh well you know we we survived the marlins like how like when will when is enough like what is the line probably with somebody if they die players die right right. then they say well wow it's too bad okay well Okay, the Phillies are the Phillies are are eliminated. <laughs> they eliminated from competition. All right, next. So now we have to like you know. I mean, these people. Well, Aaron, it's great seeing great you. Great you. Uh, this is the bright spot of COVID for me, Bill. Still seeing you guys. I've got to redo this. Yep. Watch those. Uh, we got ear hustles. Ear hustles. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. 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 Yeah, but uh, be careful, man. Are you still running? Yep. Of course. Just hot. Okay. And I have I have special like hydration, like I have a hydration drink because otherwise I feel like mess around. Uh, I must I must tell you, I must, I must I must say about you. So I must tell you this. I, I splurged about three weeks ago. For years I've been watching there's this uh box box CD set, it's a hundred years of Olympics. A hundred years of Olympics. Mm. It's all starting back to nineteen uh I think twenty. Uh, they've got all this video from 1920 all the way to like the last Olympics. But it's been so fascinating to watch this. And had such a, a great treat the other night. Uh, I went to Morgan State and one of the great Olympians was a guy named George Roden who uh, attended Morgan uh, and he was part of this great Jamaican track tradition. And mm. but I'd heard about him. I never met him. All the professors asked me, did I know him? I lied. So yeah, he's my uncle, you know, <laughs> but he was a legend. But in all these years, I never saw him run. I never saw him run. And mm. I, I looked at the 1952 uh, Helsinki Olympics 
And it was so cool to see George Roden, Herb McKinley, all these cats I knew as older people, you know, like when they're in their, you know, 70s, all that, but I never, it's something to go back and see these people when they're 22 and all that. And they showed just one thing of the, the competition was just remarkable. Uh, they showed the four by 100 relay, and it was, and, and you could tell these, all, because 1952, so all the black people, they, got, they all knew each other. You know, you could mm-hmm, tell it, and mm-hmm. there was like little shit talking, you know, you could just tell these cats. And the final leg, it was George Roden, uh, Jamaica versus uh, Herb McKinley down the stretch. This other cat had already, when he took the baton on the third leg, he was 15 meters behind. He was 15 meters behind. He tracked down this white cat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He, wow. he ran him down, and when he gave the baton to Roden, he had a step lead, and it was her McKinley and Roden. Mm. And it was just amazing. At one point in that race, and you can see, at one point in the race, you know, when you're running, you know, I don't know if you get this, when rigor mortis starts setting in, because it's just, it is just so hard. And you can tell he clo- closed his eyes. He just closed his eyes and just threw his head back. It was all about will. That's wow. all it was about that. The last fight was all about will. And mm. they finally, and he, and he won. And he, he maintained it once that, but it's funny, but the, the hero was her was uh, Herb McKinley from Jamaica, who was the one who closed that 10 yard thing. Mm. And you could tell on the victory, on the victory stand, you had these brothers from the US and these brothers from Jamaica. And it was so funny, they were like, you could tell the one was just talking shit <laughs> on the stand, wow. you know? And this guy particularly, Herb had the gold medal because he had finished second. To, to her McKinley beginning 19, at the 1948 game. And they finally, and, and you could tell he was looking at the gold medal. And there was like her, you know, it was like uh, Mal Whitfield was there. You could tell they was like talking shit. But you know, it was so <laughs> funny that although it was 1952, you could just imagine them, in particular what was getting ready to go on in the United States then. I mean, what, it was awful in the United States in 1952. Mm-hmm. So you knew there was like a bond there. Mm. So although they were competitive, you knew they were probably having a ball in Helsinki competing each other. Right. And they were the heroes of the Olympics. And then the, the sisters, the sisters, the four by one American relay team, four by one upset Australia, who's like the favorite. And these sisters smoked them. They set a world record. Not only did the brothers set two worlds where they set the Olympic world record, the U.S. world record, and the Jamaican world record, the sisters set an Olympic record and a U.S. record in the four by one. You could just see, and it was an upset, and you could just see the joy when they, you could just see these sisters were celebrating and they were just so happy and hugging. And there's a one sister, 15 year old Barbara Jones, who was the youngest Olympian ever to win. She was 15 years, and they were all Tiger Bells. They're all Tennessee State Tiger Bells. Mm. And Mm. you could just see the joy in their face and the pride. It was just such an emotional thing to even see it in 2020. You could just, you were connected. You could just see, and you knew how they must have felt by doing that. Mm -hmm. So anyway. What's that that box set? It's the uh, 100 years of uh, the Olympics, 100 years of Olympic something. But it's just phenomenal. In fact, you could see, like they had Jim Thorpe, and they had a young Jim Thorpe and, you know, accepting his medal. And we've seen these people, then first brother to ever win an Olympic medal was DeHart Hubbard. 1924, he became the first African-American to win an Olympic medal. He won it in the uh, long jump. And mm-hmm. he was a big star at the University of Michigan. I knew about it, but I never, like, it's not to see them. Right. To see him actually compete and win the event, and then to see somebody, then Google him and find out what happened after that. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was really—it's—it's it's just so much. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> like, but it, it was great. There's just there's, there's, there's one brother who was long jumper. They showed the long. He—he he was a 1951 and night going to 1952 long jump champion. Brother, his brother. He was a champion. He—they would say he's—he could not be beaten. And his competition—he filed four straight times and women oh, wow. and the very last time he filed he just laid in the pit you could just oh, say he just man. laid oh, in the pit wow. and just but but I didn't know that till I googled it and said why I said oh this cat was going in he went in as a favorite you know mm. he had think he he had like maybe lost once 
Roberts <laughs> or oh something, you know. And he is like, of, of all venues, of all venues, the Olympics is one shot. And then after that, he was fine. But there at the biggest spot, you committed four fouls. So <laughs> I'm looking forward, man, to going back to the, the Jesse Owens Olympic, going back to the 1932 when you had your real big contingent of black folks, you know? So it's really, mm. man, it's really just been, it's been great. It's really just been great, uh, great history. Mm. No, good stuff. I got to check that out. And make you a runner yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but you know what? I've got on my bike. Right. I, was so pumped, I was so pumped up. <laughs> you know, I got on my bike. It was like, ride, ride. <laughs> Don't stop now. <laughs> but, you know, it just shows the competition just cuts through ages and generations. You know, it just, right. it just mm-hmm. cuts through. I mean, so anyway, I, I could go on and on, but it's just... Uh, Maybe sp- these sports are important. I'm saying... Uh, well, <laughs> so great to see you guys. All right. Bye, Aaron. I love the 1619 oh, shirt, Jamal. Oh, yeah. Very you nice. Saw that 1619. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh. I ordered it. Oh. Or, 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 see, somewhere. Here's a question Who's making it? Who's making the t shirt? Who's I making mean, the profit? Good question. Why, look at the label. Look at the label. Made in Thailand. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. I'll look as soon as we get out of here. I'll look. <laughs> yeah, tell us. But, you know, what can you say? I guess you can't have everything. Yeah, pro- probably. Everything's made in Asia these days. Yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah. So, no, I mean, talking about, you know, going with the Olympics and how, how it made you feel and, and seeing all that stuff in the competition. You know, I mean, I can't, you know, when I'm, I'm watching basketball now, I can't even baseball a little bit. Like, I am kind of into it. You know, I know, and I know... Um, you're right. I agree. They, pro- they probably none of these people should be playing. At least, at least the NBA, you know, created this bubble atmosphere, which, which I, which to me, even if the NBA succeeds, it's still kind of a bad look for the country because, because what about mm-hmm. the rest of us? What, where's my mm-hmm. bubble? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, they can take care of these guys. These, you know, none of these guys are are uh, are co- you know coming up positive for COVID anymore. Um, so it's working, at least for the first couple of weeks, it's working. But then, you know, but there are people out here who who need the same kind of attention. And we're, and so it's really just highlights what, what what's going on in the rest of the world. So, you know, it's a it's a weird dynamic where, you know, I'm entertained. Um, I'm going to watch the NBA. I'm going to watch baseball. But, you know, there's that, that other side where, you know, it's kind of immoral. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, and, right, well, that's it. Right. Yeah. Are you going to watch Steve? You know, I'm I'm going to try to get there. I and and for the reasons that Jamal just just mentioned, because uh, I think it's as much of a moral issue um, that uh, the professional athletes, uh, well, let's, let's say that the organizations, uh, because they have you know access to uh, the constant testing that they're going to need to do if they're going to play these games. Um, and they have to get tested, you know, every week, if not a few times every week. Right. Um, and many people in the United States still cannot get tested. And if they can, they, in some instances, they're waiting two to three weeks for a result. So it speaks to this dichotomy, which is a part of this broader discussion that we're having in this country right now, which, of course, COVID is highlighting all of these issues. It's, it's bringing all of these issues to the fore. So it, it is... Uh, so for me personally, as much as I love sports, it's a moral issue. It really is. Uh, and Bill, you mentioned this in, in your forum. You know, it's like, well, what's really important right now? And look, I'm, I'm there's a side of me that's glad to see sports being played, you know, because we're so, it's so ingrained in our culture. And we know that the contribution uh, contributions and opportunities that sports has presented to many of our folks particularly. So not to, to uh, downplay its importance from that, from that level, but with the broader discussion and the big, big issues that we have in this country right now, and not just in this country, but globally, um, you know, uh, is this really something that we can, you know, afford to, to deal with right now? So it's, it's going to take a while for me to wrap my head around it. And a big thing for me is football. I mean, because football is number one on, 
you know, the number one sport for me as a spectator. And um, I don't know, man, I, I don't see it happening, at least not in the college ranks. I don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. Um, how? I, I mean, just, how, uh, how are they going to do it? I mean, that's the ultimate, the ultimate contact, non-social distancing sport. <laughs> y'all. I mean, I, right. how, I, how are they going to, you know, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, it's almost like you might just say, say, fuck it. Y'all just going to get sick. Right. Well, that's what they, you know, that's what they're saying. On. You know, I mean, that's what baseball is saying. And that's what football, I mean, football, even, you know, football, let's not, it's not even about on the field to me. I mean, you know, you're right contact. They're only top of each other. At least they're outside. But what about the locker room? And what about, you mm-hmm. know, just like baseball, they're allowing these guys to, after a game, after practice, you go home and do whatever you want. Well, see, mm-hmm. That's, that, that's bizarre. That's bizarre. You play, then you go who to who knows where. Right. You know, who knows where. And then a lot of those guys, man, are like, you know, support POTUS 45. It's like no mask, you know, no social distancing. You know, this is a hoax. And then half the damn league is like sick. And they figure, I guess they figure that shit's a hoax too. <laughs> right. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And I and I think, you know, you're gonna have these these you know, in terms of when, the, like, what what's enough for the league? Like we talked about just earlier, you know, what what's mm-hmm. the line when they shut it down? And it's and it's to the point where, you know, you have all these Trump people and all, you know, all, like you said, who think it's a hoax, and they'll 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 talk talk away the cases. Now it's not now the cases, the number of cases don't matter because you know not as many people are dying, so they can just they can say, oh, that doesn't matter now if they get it. You know, these guys are young. So to me, it's almost like you're going to need somebody, something ridiculously tragic to happen. You're going to need somebody to die, a player to die for them to, to even, you know, consider stopping it. Yeah. And when, uh, when you, then they'll just consider, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, when you consider that they have to travel, even if they're talking about playing just conference games, which Notre Dame just announced today, I think they're just going to play conference games, whatever that means. And they still, you're going to have to travel. So you're going to go somewhere. You're going to go to a hotspot state. You're going to put a team of, what, 60-something, 80-something players on an airplane. And they're going to travel back to – so it. none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense right now. It just doesn't. Um, you know, I mean, even today – uh, who's the the congressman from Texas? Uh, I call yeah. him Gomert Powell. Yeah, uh, Louis, yeah, Gom- Louis Gom- Gomert, Gomer. who's been yeah. one of these deniers, and now he's tested positive, and he mm. and he still doesn't believe it. Right. He's still saying, "Well, I got it from wearing my mask." What? <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I mean, this is yeah. the level. This is the level of insanity we're dealing with in this country right now. Yeah. So, well, but yeah, those people are zealots, man. They they will. Walk into the ocean, you know, like how, how the uh, state walks into the dismal swamp and they just drown themselves and call themselves, they're just sacrifices. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. that they will go down with the ship. But I, I don't know, man. It, I think you guys mentioned before there's just an immorality, uh, but yet we still watch. See, that's the problem. Everybody's going to be glued to TV. You know, nobody's going to like not watch because mm-hmm. of whatever. I don't know. You know, uh, no, you know, people going to be glued. There's going to be an audience. Yeah. Well, you know, you know the, when you think about all of the, uh, I guess the reruns have already recycled. <laughs> so, yeah, so folks are like, okay, yeah. we'll <laughs> we'll see the real, that. Yeah. You yeah, know? see the real deal. I mean, I will listen to, I can listen to old concerts. I mean, in other words, I'll go on YouTube and I love to see those old jazz and the Philharmonic concerts and mm-hmm. things like that. Cause I just love to see, what Lester Young looked like or what Bird looked like and what Ella Fitzgerald looked like. And just like when you saw, when I saw the competition of the Olympics, you could still feel the energy. I mean, like a live mm-hmm. performance, you could still, it's almost like you were there, you know. Uh, but in terms of sports, I can't really, to me, sports is the ultimate. I want to, it's, it's unscripted. I want to see, I don't want to see it all because I know that. I you know, unless it might be Ollie, Thriller, Manila, there may be one or three things, but otherwise I want to see that. I want to see what's happening live, fresh. What's happening today? You know, that's what I want to see. Yeah. So, um, 
Uh, last thing I want to ask you guys, I mean, I said that I was really, I'm really happy that fans are not are taken out the equation because to me, fans have just gotten to the point of being really entitled, obnoxious, you know, the booing, the throwing stuff, the feeling that when they could pay $50 to get into a ticket to a, an arena, that entitles them to be transformed into morons, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, forget it. But I was also thinking <clears throat> of not having sports back. Like you guys were saying, we were so focused. When I was, we were so focused as a nation. We were focused on all these big issues. Even though it wasn't pleasant, it was focused. And we didn't have, we didn't, we didn't, there was nowhere to go. We couldn't tune into sports radio because they had to talk about social issues. Now, mm-hmm. I can see it's getting back to the same silly shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's going to win? Who's going to lose? What? Let's see, can we see a great play? I'm sorry, man, after all the stuff we've been through, go back to that stuff? I don't know. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hate, well, I mean, the, the NBA bubble, um, one of the things you know, that they, that they, that the players said, you know, in terms that they, the argument they made in terms of, you know, why they wanted to come back was that they, you know, would give us the platform to continue to speak about it. Um, you've seen that a little bit. Uh, reporters are asking questions about, you know, social justice matters. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, Breonna Taylor, you know, you know, lock up the, the cops who killed her, that kind of stuff um, on the court, which, which I kind of like, I you know I can't lie. When when I see that Black Lives Matter on the court, um, that that does touch me. Um, you know, probably probably more than I thought it would. Like I, I really like that they're playing on a court that says Black Lives Matter on it. Um, you know, they're they're gonna you know the NBA players said they're gonna kneel uh, during the anthem. We'll see tomorrow or you know Thursday. We'll see. Um, so there's. You know, I think the NBA, you know, the NBA across the board, I think, has been and, and you know, they're not perfect. The NBA is not perfect. Not, you know, they have their own issues. They have they got to do. Like you said, they, they got to hire people in the, you know, in in the upper echelons of, of organizations. They need to hire more black people or any black people. Um, but they, you know, compared to the other leagues, they've been the most responsible across the board, whether it's COVID-19 or whether it's, uh, you know, the social issues. Um, and I know it's, it's, it's a low bar comparing them to the, you know, Major League Baseball or football, but it is what it is. I mean, um, you know, when one player uh, got COVID-19, they shut it down and everybody else followed the first time. And mm-hmm. we already see, you know, the, these other leagues, you know, Major League Baseball, you can get 18 players, get it and they keep it going. Football, I'm just very scared. You know what I mean? And when we talk about rooting, you know, I feel like I feel more comfortable watching the NBA and rooting for the, you know, the NBA because they just they are just the more responsible league. Come football time, I'm not even sure I'll be able to watch, you know, <laughs> when when you know what, what that they're just not going to care at all. And they're not going to have it. They're not going to try to put together any bubble. Um you know, I'm I'm rooting for guys to sit out. You already got about 20, got 25 guys or so who have said that they are going to sit out of the NFL season this year, including uh, Devin Funches, Marquise Goodwin, Patrick Chung, Donta Hightower. Um, so I'll be interested to see how many more NFL guys do this because that's just going to be a cesspool to me. And I, let's see I, if Patrick I, Mahomes sits out. Well, when you if, mm-hmm. if he says he's he's out now. Right. There, there haven't been any stars to do it. But he, right. NBA also, there weren't any stars that, that sat out. Right. I mean, right. but the guys you right. just mentioned, Jamal, are marquee players. And and so uh, they're more surely to follow. And and I'm sure they're assessing the situation uh, with, with everything as we move closer to the season. Uh, because you still have, and today, Florida and California again set new records for cases. I mean, this is this is... This is beyond anything that we've ever experienced. And, um, you know, even when we think, well, we're just about to get over. No. And with, and this is not even the, the second wave yet. That's yeah. the other thing. That's this the is, frightening right. shit, man. That's the other you thing. Know, that is. That's like the frightening shit. And, and you know, I think you're right. You think because it's summertime, 
And it's like a, a false, it's like a mirage because it's summer and it's nice. You're like, ah, you know, you kind of hanging out and all that. And uh, that ain't it, man. I mean, you know, I, I'm kind of with you, Steve. I, I may go out a little more, but I mean, I stay in my car. You know, yeah. that's what my yeah. car is my is my quarantine. I go from one spot to the other. Both places I go to are deserted. It's like only me, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just me, you know, uh, no restaurants for me, you know, a mask up. And now that you mentioned it, I'll probably go back to wearing gloves. I think I'm going to get those big hockey gloves, you know, the big <laughs> gold tender gloves. It's too hot <laughs> right now. Yeah, wait, wait for, wait for the winter. I'm walking around with like <laughs> gold tending gloves. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The big, right. Hockey, the big hockey helmet and shit. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Hazmat suit. Yeah. And yeah. It's all, you know, it all depends on the, you know, there's no federal leadership. So, you know, which, and I've said all along, like, you know, I didn't think these these sports really had a chance because we're in a country that doesn't have a chance because we don't have any mm-hmm. any real leadership at the top. So it's all it's all local leadership, and we and we're actually in New York, which is surprising. Like, you know, we, we're actually in a in a compared to everybody else, we're in a decent situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, we're only getting you know a few hundred uh, cases a day. Um, compared to like you know like, like you said Florida uh, California getting thousands did you see did you see Cuomo he offered he offered uh, Major League Baseball he said why don't why oh, doesn't yeah. every team come here and play you know we're, <laughs> right, all of a sudden New York is the safest place can you can you even imagine I know. yeah I know I, I, was like, I don't want him here shit maybe we'll bring the floor tomorrow <laughs> that's right that's right, right. no that's right. like no no Mario we're doing, we're, we're, I mean Andrew we're doing just fine yeah. no no yeah it's no yeah. We'll see the cats after the ballpark. Get them guys be hanging out and shit and doing the no. Yeah. So um, no, let's let's just stay where we're at. I think I think Canada got it right, man. When they announced two or three weeks ago, like no games in Canada, no <laughs> games. In the right, State. because yeah, but but they but they do have their own NHL bubble, which is doing fine, just like right. the NBA. They don't they have no uh, positive cases, but it was that they didn't want. Major League Baseball teams coming from no. the United States into <laughs> that's Canada. Right. They were like, oh, that's no. Right. no. That's a no-go <laughs> right there. Right. Bring the Florida Marlins. No. Turn that entire plane back. Stop that shit in the air. Turn that's it back. Right. Get the Blue Angel and like turn, escort right. it back to Miami, y'all. Not landing here. That's uh, right. Spray, spray the air. You know. Uh, anything else uh, before, we, uh, before we sign out? Any uh, any. Good news anybody wants to share? Well, we're all here. That's the uh, yeah. good news. I've discovered air frying. We can talk about that next year. I mean, next, next, yeah, I've discovered an air fryer. It's unbelievable. Oh, oh my, my Un- son's been talking about that. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Unbelievable. You know, because, you know, when you, um, you know, I've been, you know, probably like everybody, I've been grilling more and cooking more right. and things like that. You know, I've already, I use a slow cooker a lot and all that. But man, that air fryer, brother, it like I've cooked some like some chicken, and it's almost like going to the going to a restaurant because it uses no grease, you know, and it comes out with a beautiful, it's crispy. And you, you don't feel guilty because mm. you don't fry it, you know, like all Crisco and all that, stuff. you know, uh, French fries, no grease. It comes out just d- delectable, man. Just like perfect. Uh, what is it? Is it, it a is pan? Totally or like, what is it exactly? No, it's called it's called the air fryer, what? and it, it operates on the premise that instead of using it, just uses air. But what is it? Air. Is it is, what is it like a contraption? Like what? What is it? Yeah, yes, yeah, it is. It's, it's a machine. It's a contraption. It's about. It's probably. Uh, it's not huge. You can get different sizes, but you know, it's, it's got a basket that pulls out, and you can put your, you know, whatever you want to cook in the basket. The thing is, I found you could like, um, you could like say put it. Let's say you get fried chicken, right? Just you know, so you could, <laughs> you know, obvious reason. Leave that alone. Could, leave that alone. Yeah, that's not. You know, it's Black Lives Matter, but you know, you could um, put it in a. Uh, I, I what I do is like get like a small garbage bag, but then I get all my ingredients, my spices. You know, like whatever you like to. You know, you get your like uh, last night. I did this thing where. Get, took three eggs, dipped them in the eggs, 
then get these little these Japanese these breadcrumbs, small breadcrumbs. Put it in my bag, shake it up, you know, like that. Just mix it all up, and then put it in your uh, in the basket. You cook it. You could choose your uh, temperature. You know, mm-hmm. cook it at, at like three hundred ninety degrees for like maybe about ten minutes. Take it out, flip it over, put it back in. Flip, you know, ten more minutes comes out, and man, it's just like golden, you know, golden brown, crispy, you know, tender. You mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm little. I'm like, this is unbelievable. This is like what I've been trying to get on the grill. <laughs> and, 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 and and frankly, if you want to, if you want to, you can you can uh, do the air fryer for like your first eight ten minutes. Then you can take it out and put it on the grill if you wanted to. Right. Hmm. Just to finish it off, if you just wanted to get the grill marks, things like that. But it's real. But there's all the you know, vegetables you can do on it. Uh, you could bake stuff on it. I mean, it's really, uh, really remarkable. So yeah, you're, you're not you playing know. around over there. You putting you putting together some stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm, man, I'm gonna have I mean, to try. My son's been raving about it, and uh, we bought one for my 14 year old niece because we're trying to teach her how to cook. I, I mean, trying to teach her from afar, but. He said, "He said, Dad, this is the way to go. The air fryer is the way to go because the food comes out great and it's uh, low maintenance in terms of cleanup. It so, is. You know, you almost and, feel like you're cheating, though. I mean, that's why I feel, I feel like I was cheating because <laughs> it was just, it was just too easy. <laughs> you know? I'm gonna have to try it. Hey, I, I wanted to ask both of you guys. Uh, um, we've been seeing quite a bit of realignment in the HBCU conferences." Mm. Recently, and uh, so I wanted to ask you guys about that. Uh, what you, what you think about it? And do you have any insight into that? I spoke with um, I did a piece for the Undefeated, a column uh, last week, and I spoke to the MEAC uh, commissioner. They've lost they've lost Hampton, they've lost Florida A and M, they've lost Bethune Cookman, uh, and they've lost North Carolina A and T, which is a big one. You know, A and T and Hampton went to white conferences. F F uh, uh, and Bethune went to the SWAT, so they're down to bare bones. They can, you know, so how many teams they you have? You know, eight is eight mm-hmm. is eight. But um, you know, the thing is, what are you going to do? I mean, I think the SWAT has always been very consistent, you know. But I don't know what the and the irony is that when I played in Morgan, my senior year was the year we left CIAA to go into the MEAC. Mm-hmm. Because people wanted to be Division One, you mm-hmm. know, and that was like 1970. So now, whatever years later, man, the MEAC is just barely uh, holding. Up. I think black schools, Steve, as you mentioned it, black schools have better find a way to do things together. And I just sense, man, there's still that kind of "I got mine" mentality. Very uh, much, you know, and that's that's that's. Really, I mean, A and T, they went really hard times, but they were able to get strong in the uh, NBAC. Now they get strong in the white conferences. Okay, we'll take you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. same thing. And that's just such a typical thing that happens to us. So um, I don't know. Now it seems like most of the schools have said they're not playing. The SWAC right. isn't playing right. false sports. Right. It CIAA also announced they were among the first to announce. I think CIAA. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, but I, I just think there's got to be a way, man, for these schools. Uh, and I remember Arthur Ashe had said that to me a long time ago. I mean, he went to UC. He said, "Y'all got to find a way to work together." I else? I agree with that. I totally agree with it. Um, I mean, being from Hampton, um, somewhat familiar with their situation. Of course, Dr. William Harvey, who's been the president forever now, and you know, but he came. He's a businessman. He came in. That's and that that's his whole platform, and he's he's built things at that university. But he's all about that money, and and uh, yeah. you know, and he's um, <laughs> he's he's kind of a strong arm sort of sort of president. So he's gonna he's gonna go wherever the money is. But um, but no, I agree with you. And this is to me points to the real crisis uh, for HBCUs because they need that money, you know, more so than the other schools. And I think that. You're right. And and also, unfortunately, we've seen at several HBCUs prominently, there's been a lot of scandals of administrators embezzling money, you know, 
Uh, and we're not talking about millions, we're talking maybe tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, but that, that really hits HBCUs very hard. So we, we have to, uh, I agree, we have to find a way for, for schools to work together. What, what I would like to see, um, because there's been so much talk over the years about reparations. To me, the most sensible and logical and ethical thing for America to do in terms of reparations is to guarantee the funding of HBCUs every year in perpetuity. If we really want mm. to invest in, in, in uh, if we want to talk about reparations and lasting reparations, this is the way to do it. And of course, mm. that doesn't mean that, that uh, white students and other students can't attend HBCUs. Of course, they right. do, and they're welcome. Right. But if we really want to do this in a substantive way, this would be the way to do it because we wouldn't be in these situations where, where they would have to go and look for sources of money and, and because we don't have that kind of generational wealth. So that would be the way to do it. Yeah, I agree. That, what's, the, what's, the, what's, what's the, when you, when you talk to uh, people about the reason they jump, um, to different conferences. What, I mean, what is the reason? Just, just money-wise from the conferences? Well, they feel there's more exposure, better TV contracts. Uh, it happens to they talk about the geographical footprint, I guess, more of the teams in that area. I mean, for FAMU and Bethune, they're down in Florida, so it probably makes sense. Texas, you, know, you start playing the Texas teams. and Yeah, you just playing kind of down there. And, but I think basically it's just, you, you think it's going to be wise. I, I know that Harvey ultimately wanted to go to the Atlantic 10. That was his, his big goal, to go to the A-10 conference. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, the A-10 didn't take him. But, yeah, I just think money is exposure. But um, like, like you're saying, man, they just need, they need, need for them to sustain themselves. They, you're right. Reparations are the way to go. Uh, you know, we just need a huge sustaining pot of money. But then to your point, you have to have these places run correctly. You know, I mean, that's because that, yeah. that would be awful. Yeah. Yeah. We, there, there is too much. There's been too much corruption. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, so that that also has to be dealt with. But. Yes, yeah, it's, it's my my fear is that, uh, and we're lo we're losing a big part of our culture because we're losing these rivalries. We you know, I mean, now it's inconceivable to me, even though we're now going into the third year of it, we don't have the Battle of the Bay anymore uh, oh, between Hampton and Norfolk. I grew up with that, and uh, you know, or will we even see who the real HU is anymore? Will we even see that game anymore? I mean, but I but they could do that still. Like, they like you know, the, they can still schedule to play each other if they got their their heads together and, and did that. You know, yeah, they I, can I play didn't a think game I, like that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I never. I didn't think about it from from your perspective, Bill, in terms of them sticking together, which makes sense um, because I just thought about it. Like, you know, ooh, you know, there's still HBCUs. There's still historically black colleges. You know what I'm saying? So no matter where they are, it's still that's still Howard. That's still A and T. Um, right. But you know, you're right. Maybe they do need to stick together in order in order you know to to keep that foundation. And I don't know what that looks like. You know, uh, but you got a guy like Harvey, who could, but you know, Harvey is about Hampton. Oh, he's all about Hampton. <laughs> What's best for Hampton? Right. So, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I think back in the heyday, I, I'd ask this question back today. What would happen if Eddie Robinson back in the in the sixties, early sixties, when those schools had a, uh, a a lock on black talent because of racism? If anybody would have anticipated integration, had they said, okay, right now while we've got a lock on this. How can we do stuff together so at least when, when, when these white people discover black folks, we will still have some stuff locked in? Now, I don't know. Maybe white folks would say, no, you know, we ain't giving you I don't know. But it seemed like I don't even know if that was a mentality of saying Eddie Robinson was getting his and Jake Gates was getting his it, and, and right. Big John Mayor Tennessee State was getting his. I don't know if they all thought, how can, we, how can we do something right now before these ones discover black athletes, how can we at least set ourselves in a way that we will, we can withstand 
integration. Mm -hmm. Right. And if it, if, if it were now, you know, because back in, in those days when uh, HBCUs had the, all the talent, there, were, there weren't schools jumping conferences. And, you know, now, like if, if, if black schools would have had the talent they, they had back then, now they could have gotten to the A-10. You know, they, they could have, they, you know, they could have gotten to these bigger conferences where they really do get serious money because, right. because but they weren't playing them though. I mean, back then, I right. remember, you know, University of Maryland wasn't going to play Morgan, right. LSU. I mean, they weren't going to play these black schools, right? You so, know, yeah, much less, uh, much less let you join. <laughs> yeah, like, you go join a you nuts, you know. <laughs> uh, but that's what, uh, back in when the Negro Leagues was found, uh, uh, 1920. I mean, that this this we're get coming up on the anniversary. Ruth Foster, who formed Negro League, he wanted he was preaching to his people. We want to become so well organized that we could we could bring one of our teams into Major League Baseball. Right. Same thing. Baseball said no fucking way. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, that was a lot for Foster who to bear because he had put all mm-hmm. that. And at the end, they said, "No, we don't care how old we're not." But just think had baseball done that back then, how far ahead we would be now. You know, if you would have had a black franchise in now, that by this time, you probably would have had Five, black six, executives. Six, and black, You know, you would have had different stuff. And, we wouldn't be, you, and you still would have a black inflow of, of, of young players coming into baseball. Just because you had a franchise or two, a black franchise or two. Uh, mm-hmm. So you would you would have black players, you know, but mm-hmm. and it's an interesting mm-hmm. time now because you know you got one ath- one major athlete that did that did sign on to play at Howard. You got other young players, uh, young five star, four star players saying that they're con- they're going to consider HBCUs. Um, so it's an interesting time for them to disband. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I think. It was a nice story of one kid coming, but right. you need more than that. You need you need, actually need what the Fab Five did for Michigan. You need somebody mm-hmm. to do for like <clears throat> Howard or or Alcorn State or something. You need five to come and win the national championship, or mm-hmm. or just a, a, a couple times. Yeah, or <laughs> or definitely more than one. Just one uh, top player each year go, going. You need multiple guys. I mean, did you hear LeBron James' son said he he was uh, either. I forget was he Hampton or Howard was was the first on his list or something like that. Yeah. Oh really? I mean, he, has, he has a long way to go. So okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, we'll he's see. Like, he's like four years old, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah. it's but it's it's a nice. Right. Know, it's, it's better. It's a nice thing to say. Two 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 years ago, nobody was saying anything like that. So maybe we'll right. see. Yeah. We'll see. No, it, it bears watching. It's watching. Yeah. 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 We'll. We shall see. Let me, let me tell the, the listeners uh, to subscribe to the podcast, uh, Bill Roden on Sports, on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and definitely rate and review the podcast because that helps uh, with traffic a great deal. Give us, uh, give us those five stars. And if you, you know, any, any suggestions, any questions you have that you'd like us to talk about uh, on, on the next show, um, if you ask the question in your review, some of the better ones, we will definitely talk about uh, those issues for you. So uh, definitely do that. iTunes, rate and review us. Uh, engage with us on social media, at BrosPod on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram, and Bill Roden on Sports on Facebook. At WC Roden. That's my Twitter handle. Uh, yes. What's yours, Steve? Uh, I'm just basically on my website, stevewilsonmusic.com. And what's yours, Jamal? Uh, Twitter, at Blackatologist. Instagram, at Blackatologist as well. As we get out of here, you're gonna, you'll hear the tunes of Steve Wilson, who graced us with his uh, work that is the intro and the outro to the show. So that's Steve Wilson yeah. right there. Yeah, somebody actually mentioned that. They said, well, who's that? I said, it's Steve Wilson. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, I forget uh, who it was. Somebody called him. Yeah, I love that intro. Oh man! Me too. Me too. I'm I'm on it. I'm on it, gentlemen. I'm on it. All right, hey everybody. Uh, Steve said that was a great line at the very beginning. They may talk about phase four, but stay at phase one. (laughs) Right, right. That's it. Yeah. Until there's a until there's a a tested vaccine. That's it. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna try that Russian vaccine coming out in two weeks. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I, I won't sign up for that one. Yeah, I'll be passing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, all right, everyone. Uh, you know, Steve, Jamal, for Aaron, who had to go and like actually work. Uh, you know, we will see everybody next week. Stay real safe. Um, you know, get your air fryer, and we'll compare notes. <laughs> no doubt. Next week. All right, so God bless everybody. All right, take care. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.